0: Welcome back to the Across the Pod Podcast, po- as part of, say it again, Network. We're here for a week five of you, and with me I've got a returning guest, a guy you guys might know from our Panthers season preview. I've got with me Keg, how are you?
1: Hello mate, very good, thank you very much, how are you?
0: I'm not too bad, not too bad. I was just saying to you before we put this on air that um, it is, I'm currently in Chicago and it's like the rain is like forecast to be bad. This afternoon. I was going to explore Chicago this afternoon and you know, get some food, get some pizza, which is also the thing I want to do the most in Chicago. But um, that may have to be a tomorrow activity because yeah, there's storms forecast. It's a bit wet and windy, so I've got to explore it at some point. But I think tomorrow and Friday is going to be nice weather according to BBC websites. So I'm hoping that will that will stay that way.
1: Sounds like being in Newcastle.
0: <laughs> yeah i will say it does feel a bit like london you've got the tube you've got the busyness of the tube you've got um although there's a little bit of like um i don't know whether you played um playstation or xbox back then when like that arkham asylum game i felt like i was on- uh, yeah. it was like a real uh, dark know, really. sort of um underground i felt like i was <laughs> i don't know whether it's based on that but it did feel like i was i was playing a real life version of arkham Asylum. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, let's head into the week five review. But before we do that, actually, um, some breaking news um, came out of the NFL yesterday, which involved your team kick. As the Carolina Panthers, you could say, finally, uh, fired <laughs> Matt Rule. Um, what's your take on it? Do you think it was um, the right decision or would you give them maybe a little bit longer to prove themselves
1: No, I I think it was the right time for me. Um, I think among the Panthers fan base, we would have had him out a long, long, long time ago, to be honest with you. Um, I think I was one of the extreme few that were willing to give him a chance this season. Uh, Just looking at what he's done previously, uh, he's known for being a great college coach. He's done an amazing job at turning around Temple and turning around Baylor. Uh, And that's why he got the, the Panthers job, because we were in... A really big rebuilding stage and we needed someone after sacking Ron Rivera to come in and and change things around, put their own stamp on things and give us like a a fresh vibe. Uh, And he was the guy to do it. Um, uh, David Tepper picked him up from college, gave him a seven-year 72 million guaranteed contract, which looking at it now is absolutely insane. But um, it, it took him in his third years in that rebuilding stage at both Temple and Baylor. Uh, first two years were both losing seasons. Third year was where he really turned things around. Uh, and I think it, I felt like Carolina in these first two years had five and 11 records, both identical, not not pretty, uh, not very great games, but a lot of potential. You see like through the draft and some of the trades that were made, there was a lot of potential there. And I felt like we were headed in the right direction. So I was willing to give him this season at least A fourth, a fifth, a sixth or a seventh season, absolutely no chance if it was going to turn out the same as it did in the first two. Uh, But starting the season, one and four, awful offense. Uh, And you can just tell it's not going anywhere. We've messed around with quarterbacks, with Teddy Bridgewater, with Sam Darnold, with Cam Newton, with Matt Corral, and now Baker Mayfield. And it's just not paying off. And I think that's ultimately what's costing me his job. But yeah, let's say I was... I was probably the last Panthers fan to give him a chance, but nah, yeah, it was it was absolutely definitely time to go. Like this season was going absolutely nowhere with him. So, yeah, yeah, we've done, we've done the right thing, definitely.
0: Would you have potentially, uh, because Matt Rule, he's making $834,000 a month for the next 48 months. Yeah, oh, sorry, yes, I, I do. I may have made that wrong. Is that right? Or am I yeah,
1: no, yeah, I've read that, yeah. Oh, so um, he,
0: he's, he's still got
1: forty million to make out of that. As I said, he's got a seven-year contract, seventy-two million guaranteed. Uh, so yeah, he's still got forty-two million to make. So yeah, we, we are paying him eight hundred thirty-four thousand dollars a month for the next what two years? Yeah.
0: Jeez, I mean that you, you would take that. I mean, if I got told from, I was in a job and I got told I. Oh, Sack you, but you're going to get a month. I think most people would exactly, but it is like
1: going to work out for him, really. Like, he's going to be absolutely fine. He can walk into most college jobs and still earn five, six, seven million dollars a year, and he's got that as well. Like, he's going to be absolutely fine. So, yeah, nobody have any sympathy on Matt Rule. He's lost his NFL job, it was a step too much for him, but that money he's making, don't feel sorry for him. He'll be fine.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned that offense as well. I mean. Obviously, Baker Mayfield came in in the off-season after a, a much um, publicised fallout with the Browns. Mm-hmm. It hasn't worked out. He's the what He's got the 23 most receiving yards, sorry, passing yards with 962. Um, I, he's got the in terms of touchdowns as well. Looking at that now, he has got, the, again, the 23rd most with four touchdowns and cost by costly, four interceptions. But I think the biggest one that everyone's been pointing out of his times of our has been his quarterback rating. He has the worst in the league out of any starting quarterback with just 16.6. I mean, this is lower than Joe Flacco. Um, I mean, J- James Winston is low, but that's big. I think it's mainly because of his injury. Um, you've got people like Matt Ryan ahead of him who've had, Russell Wilson's had a terrible start to his life at Denver. Mm-hmm. I think that for me, that that just shows not just how poor has been from him, but also the coaching for Matt Rule maybe hasn't been the best because. You think he would be able to get the best out of Baker Mayfield?
1: Yeah, definitely. And w- one of the crazy things is as well that we've actually got a decent o line this year. Like that's been one of the struggles. That's one of the main reasons why we felt like, uh, like Teddy Bridgewater and Sam Darnold feels like our o line was shocking. Like you- you've got to kind of give them guys a little bit of sympathy for that. Like they didn't really have much protection. But this year, statistically, it's been really, really good. We put a lot of hard work in off and in-, in the off season to get in a good O-line, spent a first-round pick on uh, Ike Mekwano, who was the highest-rated guard, uh, highest-rated tackle during week five, um, and Bradley Bozeman, um, Taylor Moten, uh, Austin Corbett coming off a suitable win with the Rams. Like, it's a really good offensive line, so the excuses can't be there with Baker Mayfield like they can be with Sam Darnold and Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, it's just been bad. Like, battered passes was a huge issue. Um so kind of solved that against the Cardinals uh, on, on Sunday. Didn't have any battered passes, whereas the previous uh, three, four weeks, there was it was loads and loads of them. Just couldn't get his passes off. And it was just kind of like the same old story, targeting the same receivers, kind of over-utilising uh, Christy McCaffrey a little bit. Just nothing fresh, but I, I, I would kind of put a little bit of blame on coaching. I think Matt Rule, yeah, definitely needs to take some responsibility for that. And uh, we have just hired a new uh, offensive coordinator this summer as well in Ben McAdoo, who I wasn't overly excited about at the time. But again, I was willing to give him a chance. But even after these first four weeks then or five weeks, I'd quite happily see him walk out the door with uh, Matt Rule and, and the other guys that's left them as well. Because, yeah, I don't really have much faith in him going forward.
0: Yeah. And do you think maybe as well, but as bad as he's been, do you think maybe with the fact that you're one and four, uh now, or probably the worst, if not the second worst record in the league. And with, obviously, the quarterback situation hasn't really been solved. There's some great quarterbacks coming out of college. You look at Mm -hmm. CJ Stroud, you look at Bryce Young. Do you think there's a chance maybe you could have kept them just for that reason? Just because then, just to maybe, you know, because obviously if you start winning games under a new coach, you may well get five, six wins, and then that will mean you'll probably be, eighth ninth tenth in the draft do you think maybe there could have been an argument to keep him just for that reason just to um try and get the highest draft pick to try and get a like a future prospect callback
1: that could have been uh, i have seen that argument on social media over the last like 48 hours since the news broke but i don't really like that style because you're kind of rewarding him for being bad at his job Mm -hmm. like you've made us the worst team in the league congratulations he has a good quarterback like that doesn't settle well for me. Like I'd rather win games. Like this is a sport and business. Like as fans, we should all want our teams to win. If you're going to invest your time every weekend into your team, watch them, celebrate them, you don't want to root against them. You don't want to think, yeah, well, we've lost, so I one step quite to the number well, one, one step closer to the number one pick. Like I don't really like that style. Um, but yeah, obviously it is understandable that yeah we are currently sitting uh, with the first pick. We are the worst team currently in the league. Um, maybe things will change, but not a whole lot. Uh, and you're right about um, CJ Stroud and Bryce Young. I'm a very big fan of both of them. If either one of them end up being the Carolina Panther come this time next year, I'll be a very happy man. Um, yeah, for me personally, if we did get the number one pick, then I would like to go with uh, CJ Stroud. I think he's worthy of that number one pick, but even with Steve Wilkes and and the new guys coming in, if things change, not that I'm going to say they're going to be a million miles better, we've still pretty much got the same roster, not really a great lot we can do at this stage in the season. Uh, I don't see much change. Like We might get a few more wins better with the new regime than we did under Matt Rule. So we can still get a top five pick where I think um, Bryce Young could fall into our lap. So yeah, I'm I'm not bothered about that in the slightest. I would much rather win games and get yeah there is a couple like like will levis from uh, kentucky i like him like he could be somewhere between a fifth and a tenth pick in the draft so yeah i want to win games bro I'm, I'm not into this tanking for number one pick like nah, that's not me
0: okay um moving on to the start of the week which saw the indianapolis colts take on the denver broncos a game i was at which is one of the worst games i've ever watched <laughs> um, <laughs> the colts ended up Winning the game by 12.9 in overtime, something that no one wanted overtime. Everyone <laughs> wanted the game to finish. Um, a game that involved no touchdowns, it was all field yeah. goals. Um, and it's obviously caused a lot of talk this week. We now did an article on it about if you let Russ cook, everyone gets food poisoning. Um and both offences really struggled. I mean, the Colts came in, they got Matt Ryan thinking that would, you know, that would change things for them. It must have been a carousel the last few years. And then Denver Broncos got what well, they need a quarterback, the one position they were lacking. And so far, he's looked far from the guy that they thought they were getting and paying a lot money to and giving up all the draft picks. Um, so this game, just want to get your quick thoughts because the game itself doesn't really need much review because no one really wants to review that game. But in terms of how both teams move forward from here, for the Colts, uh, I don't know what you think, but the Colts, they still have a chance to win a division. So there's still hope from there. But with Denver Broncos, I think that even though they've got two, three wins this year, I think they're two and three right now. Um two wins behind the Chiefs already. I think for me, I don't know what you think, but this has been neither to neither team the the season they wanted so far. No, I'm very disappointed
1: in the Colts to be honest. Like I i I like the Colts and I've quite had a bit quite high expectation on them this season. Uh I don't really know if Matt Ryan is a huge improvement on Carson Wentz, to be honest. Like, I'm not really like as a Former uh, NFC South divisional rival with the Atlanta Falcons for so many years, I've watched him many, many times, and yeah, just over these last few years, I think after that Super Bowl loss uh, to the Patriots a few year ago, I just haven't really seen anything in him nor the Falcons, so I don't really know what the cult process was behind getting him in to replace Carson Wentz, which needed to be done. Being said, um. But yeah, it just has it just isn't really working out. And uh, yeah, I think they've definitely uh, regressed a lot this year than what they did last season. Um, but for me, Jonathan Taylor, they're not getting the, the best out of him. I don't understand what is going on. Like he was MVP form last season, fin- absolutely phenomenal. Uh, they're just not really using him this year or, or not, not using him right, at least anyway. Like they should be plugging him with most players. Like even in, was it, I think it was week three or four, uh, they had so many receivers out. like Quite a lot of their main receivers was out, like Michael Pittman. And, and still, they just weren't handing him the ball. You would have thought with the majority of their receivers being out, he'd have been taking like 90% of the snaps, but he, he wasn't. And it, like I kind of get that last season, you might have shown just how good he was. So then maybe he's just trying to do a few things because it might be a little bit predictable, like handing him the ball on like 90% of the snaps. But he's that good. He can deal with it. Give him the bloody ball, man. Like you're not winning games at the minute, you're not impressing anybody. He is head and shoulders, their best player. So get him involved. I just don't honestly don't understand. Um, and, and with the Broncos, like I'm honestly not really that surprised. Like when they brought in Russell Wilson, everyone was talking about how they'll how they'll do in the playoffs, as if it's automatic. Like, I don't I, like they're a good team, and Russell Wilson definitely makes them a better team, or I should do on paper from what they were last season, but in a division with Kansas City and uh, the Chargers who have made a hell of a lot of uh, improvements, but particularly on defense uh, in the off season, but with Justin Herbert and Austin Eckler and Mike Williams and everybody, they've got a great team, both now on offense and defense. Uh, The Raiders are a decent team as well. So that AFC West, who who's saying that the Broncos are an absolute guaranteed playoff position? Like not for me, I don't think so. So uh, I, I'm surprised that they've been as bad as they are, but to see them with being two and three, um, I think maybe it's only really just worse by the red. like, I'm not surprised in the slightest. Like, I think they've been given way too much credit in the off just because of Russell Wilson, who was appalling last year. Really with the Seahawks, like he, he was really really poor. So, yeah, Colts are a massive surprise this year. Broncos are pretty much living up to expectation.
0: Yeah, I mean, being at that game itself, I mean, Taylor, I don't think I saw him do anything in, in that game. Like yeah. I saw him, obviously, actually in that game, I don't think he played because of the injury, but even before then, like, um, you know, the watched I watched him in Tennessee in the Indianapolis the week before against the Titans where he was there. Didn't see him do a lot in that game either. I mean, so far, looking at him now, he is... Uh, fifth, tied for 15th in the league for rushing yards, which is... That's shocking. So says, obviously, 14 running backs who've got more than him, um, and obviously, only 328 yards. There are at least 32 running backs who've got more touchdowns than him, um, which shows, again, that how lack of production he's been, considering that everyone had him as the number one overall pick. And this is, of course, coming from a guy who's eighth in the league for rushing attempts it's not like he's 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 been given the the carries he's just not doing anything with it so I don't know whether it's down to last season not as many knew about him and then this season Mm -hmm. going in obviously as the big guy everyone quite wrongly in my opinion called him the best in the league and after just one year and I think maybe teams have now realized especially after what happened last year with a mediocre callback and it's happening again this year with Matt Ryan that teams know that the best way they're going to succeed is through him and therefore they're targeting all their plays through him and, and as a result he's not getting the, not getting the carries but there's positivity and encouragement for him with what we're seeing with Saquon Barkley the fact that you mm-hmm. know you can have an off year but you can come back and still be the player you were so I think even if this year's a down year I think next year and the year beyond he's still a of the back people should look out for really
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like he's, he's a massive, massive talent. Like Yeah, he's struggling this year. But yeah, going forward, whatever happens to him, he, he's got a bright future. He's still young as well, I'm sure. Is, is this only like his third year? Like, he's, yeah. he's, he's a, a third-year yeah. running back. Like He's got a lot of time. Like you say, people like Saquon Barkley, they've had it rough. Um, Christy McCaffrey, uh, Derek Henry got banged up last year, which is potentially why he maybe he's looked like head and shoulders the best running back in the league. And I agree, I do think that he was, but probably because these guys weren't playing as much. Like maybe there was a bit less competition, which was given him like that advantage. Like if you, if you remember, like before Derrick Henry's uh, injury, it, he was like head and shoulders above everybody in terms of rush yards. I think it was about week six or seven. Like he had he had double Taylor. I think at the time Taylor was second in the league, and he had double. So if Derrick Henry didn't get injured, where would Taylor realistically have been? He probably wouldn't have been the best runner back. He'd have been top three without a doubt. But yeah, I think maybe it's like because of. People, things like that, like little like fact that was like Derrick Henry's injury, and maybe it's made him look a little bit better than what he potentially was.
0: Yeah, as well. I look at Derrick Henry was still. I believe eighth or ninth in the league for rushing yards at the end of the season. And, <laughs> yeah, he was. Um, obviously, he played what's it, seven, eight games. Obviously, double that. That's pretty much an NFL season. And huh. Henry would have had more yards than Taylor. So I think, yeah, I, th- I think, really. I think he would have got MVP in my eyes if he stayed whole fit the whole season. I think Derek Henry would have got would have got MVP in my eyes because yeah, he was yeah, playing he was on that course. well yeah. before the injury and he's starting to get back to himself this season as well. Um, but the next game was a game that obviously for your. For yourself or more, if you're the other half, it was a big game mm-hmm. as the Green Bay Packers finally came to London, but it ended in disappointment as they <laughs> 27 to 22 to the New York Giants, who now go amazingly 4 and 1 in a division that actually has three teams with four more wins, which is not something anyone would have thought a couple of years ago. Um, obviously, mentioned Saquon Barkley, he was the main man, rushing yards, he led the way with 70, got the winning touchdown at the end. Um what were your thoughts? Also, I missed the game because I was I was um, drowning my sorrows watching Liverpool take my Arsenal but, um, <laughs> but overall um, what were your thoughts on how that game transpired?
1: Yeah well I watched the game as uh, yeah I've got some ties to Green Bay with my uh, other half and her dad both big Green Bay fans so yeah we watched the game at home together and uh, yeah surprise um, I think the Giants have been a bit of a surprise package this year, being four and one. I don't think anybody would have predicted that. No matter how much money you banged on that, I don't think anyone would have realistically seen that kind of outcome. And uh especially not overturning the Packers, who well, are one of the big teams in the league. Uh three and two now. Maybe it's not the best start that they would have expected. But um, yeah, I'm over the moon to see Saquon Barkley back. I think he's what be one of my favorite running backs since he was drafted, number two overall in 2018. Um yeah, he's had a bit of a rough career the past like what three, four years. Injuries have absolutely plagued his career. Didn't really look like it was going to get back on track. But this season he's been absolutely back with a bang. He was absolutely outstanding. Uh Daniel Jones had a pretty good game. Um, I think defensively, they had a pretty good game. Uh, absolutely love Kayvon Thibodeau, who came out of the draft this year. And uh, yeah, they were just the better team, really. I think the uh, what was the half time score again? It was uh, 20 to 12. I think it was to, 20-10? twenty ten at half. Yeah half time to the Packers like, they look like they had in the bag the, the, the Giants were doing all right but I think what we expected was coming to fruition in the first half like the Packers much better team much more quality much more composure with um, Aaron Rodgers under center uh but yeah that second half just went a bit crazy didn't it, it ended up being like a, a 17 to 2 right at the last second with that safety almost pretty much a, a 17 shutout in the second half and I honestly don't know what happened like, it was it was a crazy game but um I think the Packers are just in the middle of a bit of a rebuilding stage at the minute as well. I think they've lost particularly on offense. uh, Got a lot of new guys there. Randall Cobb's like their OG, uh, but a couple of youngsters like Romeo Dobbs, who I'm a very big fan of, and Christine Watson. Uh, Yeah, I think they're just kind of still trying to get over uh, Devontae Adams. I think he was so much of a target man for Aaron Rodgers over the last few years. And we lost um, uh, Marcus Valdez-Scantlin and someone else I'm pretty sure I didn't lose, lose another receiver um yeah it's just been it's a bit of a change but uh I think they'll get to it and I'm pretty sure they'll probably lose the NFC championship uh game again as they tend to do <laughs> uh, but I, I'm sure they'll get to the playoffs and yeah get to within suitable distance I don't know if they're going to get there again this year but uh yeah the Giants man like yes yeah, definitely didn't say that coming four and one like even that whole division <laughs> the whole uh and NFC is in the East, NFC East. Yeah. Like their whole their whole division, man. Like, like the Eagles being unbeaten. Like I don't think anybody would have seen that coming. And uh and uh, the the the, ja- the cowboys, sorry, even without their number one quarterback, Dak Prescott's been out all season. Uh, yeah, it's been a bit of a crazy league considering that's like probably the worst division over the past few years. That's kind of been like the joke division over the NFL for the past few years, but ah, to be fair, they're smashing it. So, yeah, I'm, I'm happy for the Cowboys. I've always been a, a fan of the Cowboys, but uh, not that Cowboys. Sorry, we're talking about the Giants. Sorry, uh, being a fan of the, the Giants for a few years, but this haven't been enjoyable. They have been a bit of a laughing stock, like to keep getting these first round picks, quite high picks, and making a bit of a mess of us. So I think Daniel Jones was a bit of an overstretch. I think it was Andrew Thomas in 2020 when there was probably better tackles available at the time. Um, but yeah, this could be an interesting season because they haven't renewed um, Daniel Jones's fifth-year uh, option yet. Have they? Um, so I don't know what their future plans are at quarterback. I don't know if Daniel Jones will be it. But if you can imagine how good they are now, mm. even their receivers, to be fair, because the receivers haven't really done too much. Like Darius Slayton has been all right. Uh, and that's like yeah, the, res- the receivers hasn't, haven't really been coming out it's like Kadarius Tony last year he's done nothing uh, so if they could pull together a few good receivers and a really good quarterback this could be a very very interesting team like their all lines good like we mentioned Andrew Thomas and they've just got uh, Evan Neal as well so they've got a very good old line if they could improve the quarterback keep Saquon Barkley fit improve the receiver core they've got a couple of good tight ends they could be a very very good team because they've got a very good defense as well
0: yeah and i think the next few games is going to be big they've actually got um, they've got the ravens next which is that'll be a tough game that That'd be a big test but then after that they got the jags the seahawks a bye week the texans then in the lions before a game against dallas so they could easily be coming into week that game against dallas in week 12 on the road you know they could easily be what's that um for 8 and 2 8 and 3 yeah, seven, yeah. And, 7 and 3 or something like that i think yeah, that's
1: quite possible yeah
0: and I think that's something that no one would expect. And I think that even though <laughs> the Eagles may well win the division, or if not the Cowboys, I still think that in terms of no mm. one would thought they'd make the playoffs, let alone win it. So I think just um, making it as a wildcard team would be a massive, massive achievement for this team. Absolutely. And think that, you know, Brian Dables come in, he was man heralded as the guy who's turned Josh Allen's career, made him the quarterback he is now, and he seems to be proving that. I mean whilst, Daniel Jones hasn't been the reason why they're winning games. I think to get Saquon Barkley back to his best and the defense has been okay as well. I think that yeah, I think that they have are on course for a good season. But I will say, we've seen a lot of teams go three and zero, four and one, four and zero. Oh yeah, Yet Still end up you know finishing eight and eight. No, I think the Panthers. We were
1: three and zero last yeah, year. Yeah,
0: <laughs> exactly. So I think there's, I think there's has there's a definite tendency to maybe a bit a bit. Never a calm down sort of feeling to it because the Green Bay Packers were at a neutral location they weren't in Lambeau Field so I do think maybe they would have maybe the travel got to them but then that is both teams involved so but the Packers as well I mean they should get back to win of ways I imagine they got the Giants and the Commanders the next two games that you'd think would be two easy wins they got the Buffalo Bills which would be a tough game then they got the Lions the Cowboys the Titans Eagles and the Bears so I think it's a fairly mixed schedule for them. So I think that that's yes. what you get when you know when you win divisions, you get a tough schedule. So I think it, I'm really intrigued to see what they'll be come there by week in week 14 because they could easily be, you know, 12 and 2, but they could easily be 10, like, um, I don't know, 7 and 4. So I think it's a team that I found really hard to call this year. I don't know what we're getting with the Packers this year.
1: Yeah, it is a... There's some winnable games in that upcoming schedule, but they are tough as well. So, yeah, the I think they need to kind of bounce on this one, like the three and two, like they've still got a winning record this early on, but it's obviously not where they want to be, especially that defeat to the giants. It probably is going to be a little bit embarrassing. So, this is where they're going to need to show what they're actually capable of. They need to bounce back and bounce back well. Like the commanders is more than winnable. Uh, they need to make a showing of that, and yeah, some of them other games, like the like the Bears and they need to like put on a, a big big show to show what they're about but these rookies like I mentioned uh Watson and Dobbs like they need time like they will come like they've got a great quarterback thrown to them so they haven't really got any excuses just a little bit of settling into the league maybe some of these uh DBs are roughing them up a little bit uh, just trying to adapt from the college to the NFL game but yeah they're at the right place and they've got the right quarterback thrown to them so I'm sure they'll be absolutely fine in the coming weeks
0: Absolutely. Um, other games that took place on Sunday, the six o'clock slate, or the Buffalo Bills thrashed at Pittsburgh Steelers 38 to three. The Chargers won a thriller, which included a last second missed field goal from the Browns as they won by 30 points to 28. The Bears lost narrowly to the Vikings in a 29 to 22 loss in the US, US Bank Stadium, in a game I was at, which was incredible stadium. Um, the, the viewing the Patriots shut out the Lions with a 29 to 0 win. In another thrilling game involving the Seahawks, they ended up losing 39 to 32 to the New Orleans Saints. And next up, um, obviously, Mary took on New York Jets. I spoke to New York Jets fan Olivia as we dissected what happened in this game. So, for this part of the podcast, we like to have, as you know by now, a guest from each team the Dolphins play each week, and a fan of that team. So this week, as is the Jets, I've got one me returning guest, a guest you saw from the Jets season preview. I've got with me Olivia, how are you?
2: Hi, I'm good, how are you?
0: Um, Okay. (laughs) I was expecting to be in a lot better mood when I was messaging you on Saturday Mm. or Friday asking you to come on. I was expecting, you know, I was expecting a win, to be honest. I was expecting to be in a lot better mood when it came to to this. So it's not what I expected after the 3-0 start as well, but there are probably mitigating circumstances why this this has happened, Mm. but... Of course, in this game, the Dolphins did lose by 40 points to 17. Um, For a while, it was a pretty tight game until the start of the fourth quarter. But then the fourth quarter began and the Jets scored 21 unanswered points as they ran away with the victory. Now, myself, I was at the games. I couldn't actually watch it live. I only watched it via the YouTube highlights. But as someone who I assume watched it in full, Mm -hmm. uh, what was your take on what happened uh, yesterday?
2: Yeah, it was... um... It was a very interesting game. I think not many people would have predicted... I mean, that score before the game, knowing the circumstances, never mind the beginning of the season. Um, But, yeah, like you said, it was pretty tight, tighter than what the Jets would probably have wanted it to be with a a third-string quarterback, who, for for the most part, by the way, Skyler Thompson, he played solid, um, very difficult situation for him to be in. with that fourth quarter collapse, it's. I mean, and not a lot of, not a lot of it can be placed on him because it was such a difficult situation. But I think for the Dolphins, it was just an unfortunate series of events coming up to the game, and I think it all started with, two with unfortunate injury. Obviously, that got a lot of attention. Your luck really hasn't improved since then. So yeah, very very nice one by the Jets broke our. Um, AFC losing streak so it was very, very, very much needed Um, but yeah, from our side for the most most part a um, very good win, obviously helped by certain circumstances but you take them, you take it, that's football.
0: Yeah, and it's the game for me, looking at the stats, was definitely a running affair, I mean Zach Lawson mm. had the most yards with over 200 but he didn't score a single touchdown, or throw for a single pick Thompson didn't throw for touchdown either, but he did throw an interception. But of course, running yards is where it really excelled for both teams. Raheem Mostert got one touchdown rushing and 113 yards uh, rushing as well. And Brees Hall helped himself to 97 yards with one touchdown. But there were five rushing touchdowns in total from the Jets. Uh, one from Hall, two from Carter, uh, one from Barrios, and one from Zach Wilson. So that almost showed where the game was. I mean, both teams weren't exactly doing it in the passing game. When it came to the rushing yards, he, he most it was our only real performer in this game. He glad, was Tyree Kill, but he didn't really have the support, in my opinion, of Thompson, which is fair enough, considering he's a third string callback and it's his first ever NFL game. Um, and obviously a game he came in, not thinking he'd start the game and he thought he'd be back at the Teddy. Then obviously that happened. Um, so for me, it's not too worrying from a Dolphins fan point of view, because I do think that if Teddy was playing, and I, I think if two was playing as well, I think we would have probably won this game. Um, but in terms of yourselves, you're now three and two, which is obviously the same as ourselves, only I mean, one win behind the uh, Bills. Is it a start better than you ever expected going into it?
2: I think I think when we were doing the predictions, I'm sure that I had, it was around three or two or two, three, maybe. Um, so, yeah, I mean, to be honest, it was this is better than what I expected the, the standards were low um, as I said on the previous pod, the bar was low but we've cleared it to come out the AFC North stretch 2-2 two and two. Um, nice bit of luck but equally we had some great players and yeah it was, the Steelers don't look brilliant and the Browns do what the Browns do and choked, <laughs> which seems to be a running theme of their season this year Um so to come into the Dolphins game, 2-2, two and two, home advantage, a lot of injuries on the Dolphins side coming off. Again, not the best week for the Dolphins in terms of both uh, on and off the field. So it's something we had to take advantage of. and You know, we, I think we had to win. We needed to break that very, very disappointing losing streak. So, yeah, I'm very pleased with how the Jets started. And if you look at the next few fixtures, you know, we've got Green Bay, at Green Bay and then a very lacklustre Denver you know hopefully we can build upon it but again I say everything with a caution is the Jets. Um, it doesn't seem like <laughs> the same old Jets but you know I'm never ever going to declare that it's not the same old Jets until it's definitely, definitively not so you know yeah happy so far.
0: Yeah I think you look at those pictures coming up and being Green Bay No, quite sure what they're going to do because they've had a very weird season so far. Mm. The Broncos, I mean, I was at their game most recently, and they look absolutely terrible on offense. And I think that's a chance for you guys there as well. With Hackett's in the under pressure already, Wilson, you know, getting booed on Thursday night. It's, um, yeah, I think there's a chance for you there. I think even Green Bay, I mean, they obviously they haven't got a bye week after their London trip, so there could be that part of it which may well help you. And then New England, you face New England. Um, twice in three weeks or four weeks, if you include Dubai, as well as the Buffalo Bills. So I think there's a chance for you there. I think whilst, I don't think you'll you probably be like two and two, maybe th- one and three, maybe three and one at a stretch. I think that, um, yeah, I think you'd be happy going into the season with what I think maybe will be a, I don't know, five and seven, six and six record come week 11, week 12. So I think there's positive there. I think Robert Salah, after a difficult first season, is certainly seemingly turning things around and I think Brees Hall has been a massive part of that. I think Source garden looks really good in this game. He got his first interception of his career um, and he looked really good as well and I think that there is a, I said this before that in the last podcast we did, I think there's something there going on behind the scenes that is really encouraging. A bit like Arsenal looking at the Premier League, they're sort of taking a few years but they seem to be finally things finally seem to be coming together and they finally finally seem to be you know going in the right direction. So I think in terms of the rest of the season now off to your three and two which not many expected. What are your sort of expectations going into, into the rest of the season?
2: I think now that we've seen what the Jets are capable of in terms of being competitive and that change in mentality, especially when it comes to the fourth quarter. For some reason this year we just seem to turn it on in the fourth quarter and that's almost unheard of for the Jets. Um we we're very much down and out in previous years so you can see that there has been a change of mentality and the standards have increased. What I expect from the Jets, I think, obviously I don't want really to get too ahead of myself and I'm very cautious of that is that the AFC as a, as a whole, as it's played out, has probably been not as strong as what people predicted. I mean, if you look at the AFC West, for example, um, I think, you know, some people predicting that like any of the four could win, and it's looking like the Chiefs are going to run away with that. The AC North is quite bitty, and it's again, it's shaken out quite weirdly. Um, the AC South just looks absolutely terrible. No offense to anyone who's a fan <laughs> of that division, but what I'm saying is that look as hard on paper as what it first did. So, I think will the Jets make the playoffs? Probably not. It's probably a year too soon, but. If we stay in that hunt and if we if our season isn't ended by November, which it usually I mean, to be fair, it's usually ended by Halloween. So <laughs> uh, and it doesn't look like that's gonna happen, touch wood. But I just think we need to keep playing to these standards, believe in ourselves really. I know that's really cliche and a bit cringe, but that there is a potential uh, wild card spot for us, and if not, then that's gotta be the standard next year. So I think it's just carrying on and just stacking these games up and making sure that this isn't the same old jets. And I think that's a really, really important thing to to go into Green Bay and Denver that, oh hang on, we can actually beat them. Whereas pre-season you would never have thought that, but um it's a really I think it's a really weird NFL this year. I don't know if you agree with that, but I think the way it's shaken out is just it's very strange. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think it's been one of the craziest starts of the season. I mean, I think we're saying every year, which is says it all about how good the NFL is, that every year seems to be getting crazier and crazier. I mean, look at the playoffs last year. I mean, you mentioned those stats. I mean, yeah, there's three teams with three wins or more in the AFC East. Um, and even the Patriots are only two wins behind the Bills. Mm-hmm. The AFC North, um, the York City, has been terrible. Uh, the Browns, Bengals and Ravens are really close in that sense. And they've got, all got the same wins all less than the Jets and the Dolphins. You mentioned AFC South, I mean, the Titans have got three wins now, the Colts have got two, Jaguars have got two, um, and then the Chiefs charges level on wins, the Chiefs will be played tonight against the Ravens. So I think, looking at, actually, I can get here, actually, the tie-breaking procedures. Um, I was not saying it. I thought it might say who's currently kind of making the playoffs, but if I look at it, so obviously Bills, Ravens, Titans, Chiefs making the playoffs as so winners, and then you've got, it looks like... Um, the Chargers, the Jets, and the Dolphins are currently the three teams making it as a wild card team. And I think that's really encouraging for both our teams, uh, not only for the getting into the playoffs, but also looking at the division because the Buffalo Bills, as a result of putting the division, have got a very tough schedule. They've got to play the they got the Chiefs next a bye week, then the Packers, and then you got yourselves. They have got the Vikings. They have still got the Bengals, who look, who look good still. So I think there's a chance there, even though there's some easy wins there. You've got the Detroit Lions and the Bears, and you probably say the Patriots as well with their current situation. So I think the Bills, obviously they've got a tough game next, a tough two games next. I think if they if they lose both of those games, for example, and we can win our next two games, each, both of us, well, that would be a great step towards us, hopefully knocking off the Bills. I mean, I still think the Bills are going to be way too strong. I think they'll still win maybe from both of those games, let like than the rest of their game. So I think... Maybe the winning the division is probably out of reach for us with how good the Bills are and how their schedule isn't probably as hard as it should be being division winners. But I think looking at where we are in terms of the rest of the AFC standings, and I think how, you know, the, the rest of the AFC West, apart from the Chargers and Chiefs, seem to be a bit struggling at the moment and the AFC South and AFC North being tight, I think there's a real chance for ourselves both to really make a good playoff push. Um, and obviously with the Patriots not being who they are, I think there's a good chance for us here.
2: No, I totally agree. Um, I mean, as it stands, obviously, I think you'll agree with this. I think the Dolphins are stronger than the Jets. Um, that's on purpose. And I think, as we found out this week, football is played on purpose, and there's a lot of a lot of luck involved in things like this. I think injuries. I mean, if you look at the Bills against the Dolphins, for example, a couple of weeks ago, um, the amount of injuries they had and it's still it's ridiculous to say, but it still could be blown wide open. It's just so unpredictable. I suppose that's what makes the NFL so great is that teams can be one or two injuries or one or two, one or two games off and you know other teams are coming in and I just think we've made the right start. Um, the Dolphins as well made a great start and I think I still think there's all to play for, to be honest. Who would have thought that, right? The Jets fans saying that at the beginning of October.
0: Yeah, I I think Stephanie is a much better start than anyone thought. Um, and I think that Zach Wilson, I want to get your thoughts on this as a final question because I think he's looked okay. But for me personally, watching from an outsider, I don't think he's been anything special. I think last week he was good against the Steelers, but also the injury is probably a massive part to play in that, the fact that he has come back from a big injury. And I think it's only his second or third game so far. So um, in his sort of, second year... Um, Paul Zach Wilson, how's your what's your take been on how he started the season since coming back from the injury?
2: I've been pleased with him. I think he's playing good, not spectacular football. I think definitely see a change in him, like a positive change. I think last season he was playing reckless football at times, a bit of hero ball. He was forcing things that didn't need to be forced. Um, he wasn't reading uh, defenses that great, so I'll take this. He's playing smart football. Is he getting a massive amount of yards and a certain amount of touchdowns? No, but he's not for those daft interceptions, and he's finding wide receiver all Brees Hall. As it, you know, if you saw that amazing seventy-yard play or something ridiculous like that, um, he's playing smart football. And I think with the Dolphins game, he didn't need to play that hero ball. He didn't need to force things that weren't there. I mean, I wouldn't have blamed uh, if he was going to throw and he was um, really trying to test that uh, Miami secondary, but we didn't need to. Um, He made sensible throws and you can see he's stepped up and like I said, there will be times where he is going to need to play that spectacular ball and um, there'll be times where it's demanded in terms of passing and but for now I'm happy I think um, what worked against Miami worked in the run game Um but yeah I think the real test is still to come uh, it'll be interesting to see how they play against the Packers because uh, I think we saw in the London game that their run defence was not brilliant so I think it'll be another run heavy game so I don't think we'll see as uh, much as Zach as maybe we came to expect pre-season but I'm happy, as long as he's, as long as he's being a smart quarterback, that's, that's fine, after years of seeing ridiculous, ridiculous quarterback play, interceptions that didn't need to be interceptions, I'll take it, the standard's low, I understand, but yeah, I'm fine with that, I'm quite happy with how that's performed.
0: Fantastic, and just just before we go, I just want to apologise for my thoughts on you guys being fraudulent, and I obviously <laughs> work, work for yourselves, um, previewing the game I did say it was um two and two was being generous but I think now having watched that game and maybe watching Steelers Jets in a bit more detail um yeah I think I got that that take a bit wrong so um, I want to apologize but um also you can find obviously your work on your Twitter which you do a lot of Jets content so um I'll, I'll give you the chance now just to promote that before we do end this preview yeah. review
2: so, yeah, so um, I currently run the uh, biggest uh, UK New York Jets fan group outside the official group, and that's at uh, UKNYJets on Twitter. Um, it's a fun time. <laughs> not sure why you follow up, you're not a Jets fan, but it's, it's always fun. We're always pleasant with opposition, so um, there's been no Twitter wars for most anywhere, because I've seen that a bit over the past 24 hours or so. Um, with Miami, but uh, but no, it's good, and uh, thank you for having me on, it been fun, for once.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet, I bet it was much, much nicer than you thought it'd be when you and I saw when I saw originally arranged for this to happen, so um, yeah, good time to be a Jets fan.
2: Yeah, when I saw that, I think when it was just after half-time, and we were 19-17 up, and I was like, oh no, it's going to be one of those games where I'm going to have to come on and talk about how the Jets got beat by the third string quarterback the and the Fords, and but no, thank God, somehow we turned it round. The Jets of last season would not have won that, by the way, so um, progress at least.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, and I think that it's, um, you know, it's, it should be a good, good rest of the season for both of us, hopefully.
2: Absolutely, I hope two is all good, to be honest. Um, yeah. oh, I mean... I don't know. That's, I- and, and Teddy, I mean, again, with the head injury, it's unfortunate luck, but hopefully, hopefully they recover well, and well, I don't hope Miami have a strong <laughs> finish, <laughs> yeah. but I hope they're okay because his injuries are never a nice part of the game, so. so olive olive branch for
0: <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And obviously Naheem Hines as well had a similar thing. Yeah, most recently, which is quite scary as well. But I think it's good to see that they are now as a league, but also as a team, trying to address and trying to change what's it's a questionable protocol at the moment. So, um, But that has been our Jets and Dolphins review from week five. Let's go into the rest of our podcast. And then the rest of the game saw the Buccaneers beat the Falcons 21 15 with one of many dodgy calls this weekend, as Brady was deemed to have been um, tackled by the Rafa Passa law, which which everyone knows was not the case. Uh, The Tennessee Titans beat the Washington Commanders by 21.17. The Houston Texans beat the Jacksonville Jaguars by 13 points to six to get their first win of the season. The Dallas Cowboys took on the Los Angeles Rams and beat them by 22 points to 10. The Eagles stretched their and beat and run with a 20 to 17 win over the Arizona Cardinals. And then the next game we want to focus on involves your Panthers. We mentioned Matt Wall getting fired. His last game wasn't uh, at home to the 49ers, but the 49ers won. 37 to 15. Um, what were your thoughts on that game overall?
1: Uh, shocking. Um for, from a Panther's point of view. Um oh, I don't even know, man. Like it's just just, just like, it's hard to watch at the minute. It's like and I'm I'm pleased like this uh, Matt Rule thing has come about now. Um said, did we want it to keep going? Nah, like something had to change. Um, Baker Mayfield's just not doing the job. Christian McCaffrey relying on him a little bit too much. And um, I think defensively and special teams, like, like we are a team like on the verge of being very good. I literally just think it's the coaching staff and the quarterback that is holding us back. Like defensively, I think we are a very very good team. I think we're a top ten defense, and we were last year as well. Um, special teams has always been consistent. Um, well, not always, but I think this year, especially has been really, really good. Uh, Eddie Pinheiro has been brilliant uh in, in the absence of um our, our main kicker, um, Zane Gonzalez. He got injured in preseason. So uh, we've adapted to that really well. Got a like Johnny Hecker, who's been absolutely brilliant. Um we need to show a little bit more on offense aside from the uh, quarterback. Um, like we're only like, especially the first like two, three weeks, we're only using. DJ Moore, not as much as we should have. Uh, Robbie Anderson and Shai Smith. We've got more there, like Terrence Marshall Jr., uh, Rashad Higgins. Uh, we could improve it at tight ends, but we've got more um, running back options than just Christy McCaffrey. Uh, we mentioned um, uh, Derrick Henry's injury last season. Donna Foreman is now a Panther. He covered for Derrick Henry very, very well last year. Uh, haven't really been getting him much into the game. Um, Chuba Hubbard has been a bit questionable, not not great, not consistently, but I, I'm still a fan. I think he's decent and he's got a decent career ahead of him. Uh, just coming into his second year, second year running backs are always have got value, but we're just not getting the best out of everyone. And I think that's why we need to change the, the offensive coordinator and just not utilizing some of our best players. And I forgot to mention Levitska Chenault as well, who we traded for in the off season. Uh, he's only had two snaps he's only caught two balls and they were both unbelievable. One was like a 74 yard touchdown or something like that. Uh, so yeah, this is what I mean. Like we need to get people more involved and even DJ Moore, it's not getting much action. Uh, he was targeted eight times on Sunday, only four catches for 59 yards, one rush for eight yards, no touchdowns. Uh, it's just not good enough, man. Like we need to get more people involved, but credit to the 49ers. They've done their job. Um They've seen it through. I think their defense was good. They didn't really need to be. But, uh, yeah, Jimmy G done his business. Um, Debo had a tough game, man, because J.C. Horn, J.C. Horn kept him locked down. He was our first-year pick last year. Unfortunately, broke his foot, I think it was, uh, in game three. Even before then and in these first five weeks of season, his stats are amazing. He's proven to be one of the best lockdown corners in this league. I think he's going quite unnoticed and all because he's not like a Jalen Ramsey. He's not like like a Devontae, uh, Trayvon Diggs, someone like this. Like, tell you what, JC Horn is a one to watch for the future. And he made things very, very tough for Debo. Uh, but he got injured, and I, th- I think, around about uh, third quarter or something like that. And that's where they started to get the joy. That's where the points started streaming through, um, missing a couple of our big players. That's where Debo started to see some luck. Uh, Jimmy J taking the mick. Jeff Wilson, 120 yards on the ground. And, yeah, when when they've got people like Brandon Ayuk and um, George Kittle, players like that. Tevin Coleman coming out of absolutely nowhere to have a pretty good game. Uh, Yeah, we got beat by a far better team. So, got absolutely no complaints.
0: Yeah, and I think JC Horn was someone that was playing really well last year. But his, Aussie season got cut short. But I think he... I won't say there was a record he broke um last year, but I could be wrong on that, or I might think of someone else uh where he did something incredible in one of the games. But I when I saw him, I liked him, and I think his injury did really was a real shame because I think he was doing some some great things for you guys. Um and I think I think Eddie yeah, as you have, I think the game goes down to Baker Mayfield. And I think that you know if you can't get it right with Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, and then McCaffrey to hand it off to, I think that mm-hmm. your quarterback ratings are worse in the league with those guys alongside you. I think that shows that, you know, that shows how poor he's been really. And I think you know, looking at the Brown, he had that great run game of Chubb and Hunt, and also he had um obviously at one point Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry. Mm-hmm. they're both no longer there. So I think it again shows that if you are there because for me he was serviceable, but he wasn't amazing to the Browns. So if you have those guys at the Browns of your service pool and you have the worst quarterback rating in the league with Moore and Anderson and McCaffrey, I think that, again, that goes to show, again, what his lim- his limitations really and how...
1: And an improved offensive line as well.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I, can't, I like the Browns' offensive line, but the, the, as you said, the Panthers' one has been pretty good this year. And I think that even though he is the sixth or seventh most sack quarterback in the league, I don't think that's down to him. I think it's down to the time he takes to make a throw. And I just think yeah. he's been all around just... A real disappointment for someone I thought would actually be a good addition to you guys, considering you had Sam Donald last year.
1: Yeah, exactly. But yeah, it's I was listening to a Panthers podcast uh, earlier this afternoon, and someone raised quite a good point that Steve Wilkes is coming in now needs to pretty much put his own stamp on things. Like we don't really know what the next few weeks hold for Baker Mayfield with his injury. Um, he's definitely going to be out this Sunday. Uh, but the injury that he had is the same kind of—it's a high ankle sprain, the same thing that's been keeping uh, Sam Donald out for the last seven weeks. Uh, Big has a tough cookie; he's played through injuries his whole career, basically. So I think he's only planning on being out for uh, well, at least one week. And I think he's planning on being back next week, which is very unlikely. But the point is, we in part of the trade—it's pending the amount of snaps that he has, so we could. Turn a uh, like, what is it at the minute? So, he we're going to give the uh Browns a fourth round pick, I think it is. Uh, if he plays more than 70% of snaps, if he doesn't, then that gets reduced to a fifth round pick. So, why are we going to play him? You know, like, like, he hasn't been good enough, he hasn't proven that he needs to start. And like, Steve Wilkes is in a position now where he's not going to play in his first few games, whether that's going to be PJ Walker or Sam Donald when he eventually comes back or bring in a veteran, dare I say, Cam Newton. Like what is the point in moving forward with Baker Mayfield at this stage in the season when it's going to cost us in next year's draft? Uh, it just doesn't really make sense at the minute. So yeah, I don't know what the plan is. Uh, and it's such a shame that uh, Matt is injured as well, because I would love to see him get his opportunity. I think we're crying out for just, Fresh blood at the minute, like new meat is what we need. Like, we spent a third round pick on him this year, had a trade up for it, cost us one uh, next year as well. So, yeah, it would be perfect time to see uh, the young rookie get a chance, but unfortunately, he's out for the season. So, right now, we're rolling with Paige Walker, and that's it. Like we haven't really got many more options than that. So, hopefully, Steve Wilkes and, dare I say, Ben McAdoo's got a couple of tricks up their sleeve just to see us. Uh, improve slightly uh, over the next few weeks. And uh, yeah, just just see what happens where we we'll end up by the end of the season and whether we get a first pick in the draft or, or wherever, like it's most certainly going to be a, a top five, I would imagine.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned before, you didn't want to obviously lose games to Tank and all that. So obviously if you've got a pick that's based on how many games someone plays and someone who's not been great in Baker Mayfield so far, you can, you can actually control your picks without it being based on, wins or losses. I think so. Oh, yeah. I think if you, um, and obviously you mentioned Matt Corral. I think he was someone I had, a, I think he fell quite a lot actually to what a lot of people thought. So mm-hmm. I think I'm looking now at other, other non quarterbacks you can get. I mean, even if you have the second or third overall pick, looking at now potential, obviously Bryce Young and Stroud are getting the top two on this mock draft I'm looking at on DraftWire. It's an edge called Will Anderson, who's deemed to go number three. Yeah, overall. from Alabama, yeah. I think that you know, maybe that could be the route you take and give Matt Corral maybe a chance, but then it may be the same thing that happened with the Cardinals and Kyler Murray, that if someone like Stroud and Bryce Young come available, yeah. maybe they're just too, too good to turn down.
1: No, yeah, 100% agree. Um, I love Will Anderson from Alabama. And we could do with an edge rusher, I think, uh, alongside Brian Burns. We haven't really got anyone on that other side after losing uh, Hassan Reddick to free agency in the summer. Uh, I, was, I was disappointed with that, man. We should have brought uh, Reddick back after his season. But um, uh, Brian Burns is doing his thing this season. Uh, one of the greatest, and I think, again, like Jesse Horn, like he's so underrated in his position. He's one of the best in the league for me. And that's not even coming from a biased standpoint. Uh, but having someone on the other side of him, like we had Redick last season, would be crucial and could make this already good defense 10 times better. So if we did go down the Will Anderson route or or somebody else, we've got a Miles Murphy from Clemson as well. If it was going to be an edge rusher, then great. But it, it is quarterbacks that win
0: games. So before we review the Monday Night Football game, there was obviously a Sunday Night Football game, which involved um, a late field goal from Justin Tucker as the Baltimore Ravens beat the Cincinnati Bengals and stopped their two-game winning streak by winning 19 points to 17, which is encouraging for me because I've always been a big fan of the Ravens and they had quite a few losses recently that they should have won, including one that I was very happy to see. But the big one was, of course, a game... On Monday Night football, as the Las Vegas Raiders travelled to the Kansas City Chiefs, and it was a very, very entertaining game. And I was obviously again very fortunate to be there. And I'm I say for anyone who wants to go to a game in America, if you're a Chiefs fan, even if you're not a Chiefs fan, that is one you have to go to. I can't say it's enough. It literally is. The Vikings is best I've been to to look at. But if you look at the atmosphere, the game obviously helped because it was a great game. But that atmosphere. I, mean, I went to Marseille as part of our YouTube channel a few months ago, and that was on similar par how loud the stadium was. I mean, whenever the Raiders were on third down, the, the crowd noise was just deafening. You know, whenever they did the Tomahawk chop, it was just electric noise. You know, whenever there was also some dodgy play calling, which we'll get onto in a minute, and some dodgy officiating, that caused a lot of noise in the fans as well. And it's just, it's an old-school stadium, which I quite like, because it's as good as some stadiums are, there's a bit too much of modern feel. It's almost same, samey each stadium, but this one has an old school feel to it. It's just fantastic. So, I mean, tickets were expensive, I will say that, but if you could find a cheap ticket to get to Arrowhead, I would absolutely recommend it. I mean, it was just everything you thought it'd be, it was. And we have got a YouTube video coming out, I believe it be today, if not tomorrow, with my experience at the game. So do do check that out. But the game itself was interesting because the Raiders were 17 points up. Kelsey scored four touchdowns and obviously Devontae Adams scored two as well, but he was largely quite quiet in this game. But the main talk about for me was the mixture of officiating and the play call because we saw probably the worst example of roughing a passer in the Buccaneers-Falcons game. But it was a really bad one. I'd say you could argue it was worse. If not, it's just the same sort of level. But the one, I think it was Chris Jones, was deemed to have roughed a passer mm. against Derek Carr. I mean, I don't know what else he could have done because... It wasn't like he. Because the rule is they change it these days, where if you tackle him just a second or two after he's thrown the ball, they call roughing the passer. But from watching the replay and watching the highlights back again, that roughing the that tackle happened before Derek Carr threw the ball. And for me, I I, the whole the whole crowd, even the Raiders fans nearby, were stunned by this decision. For me, (laughs) because it's just I I don't know what else Chris Jones could have done because the gravity, you can't help gravity, the natural motion of tackling someone is. You go down as a result, and you go down with them. So I I don't know what your thoughts were on that one, but I thought it was a crazy decision. That's probably the, one of the worst officiating things I've seen in the NFL.
1: It seems to be getting worse, like season after season. Like, what are the rules? Do these officials even know the rules? Like, if that is the right call, then the sport's gone mental. Like, it's it's the same like in like in like in like, in like football, like English football, but oh. like. Like tackles on the goalkeeper, you can't come within like an inch of a goalkeeper, and the referee's blowing the whistle. Like it's the same with like Ruff and the passer calls. Like, like five ten year ago, you could just smash the shit out of a quarterback, and that was it. Like that's it's football. It's contact. You are meant to tackle. Like if it's like a good second or two later, and you unnecessarily hit him, then fair enough. Like that, but that's more of like a unnecessary roughness call, which is fair enough. But mm. these Ruff and the passer calls that absolutely shocking. They're killing the game. Because like that that big penalties to give away and in like big moments like that like I don't understand like it, it it's almost embarrassing like like as like English like American football fans like we big up the sports to our friends who may not be bothered and like you try and tell them like how like good it is and how like physical it is and these people that try and bang on about rugby like say like. Oh, rugby players are much tougher than American mm-hmm. football players because the wear padding and stuff like that. And like, shut up, man. If you actually watched a game, you'd be, if you played a game, you'd be crying. But then if you, if they say like a tackle like that, and it's getting called a foul, like it's embarrassing, man, mm-hmm. like the referees or if, well, that's like I say, I, I believe the referees are probably making the right call. They review every play. If the NFL think that's the, the correct call, they need to review things, man. Like, stop, like, yeah, quarterbacks are paid so much money, which is potentially why. Um, especially with Tom Brady, because he's 45 years old and needs a Zimmer for him. Like, right? that's maybe why. Like, right? but it's football, man. Whether you're a quarterback, a, a center, a kicker, a running back, a receiver, it doesn't matter. It hits a hit, whether like whether you like it or not. Like they need to just suck it up. Like, that's they people go after them. That's where like edge rushers make their money. Like, D, tackles and make that money. Tackle the quarterback, not fold them over gently. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you've got to tackle the quarterback. Like, you ha- like I think I feel like people are going to get scared of it and it's going to, like, ruin the game. Like, like edge rushers, like, aren't going to know where, what the rules are. And, like, they're going to, like, be, like, a little bit gentle, but then the quarterback might be able to get the throw off because they haven't put, like, enough effort into tackling them because they're too scared to give penalties away. Like, it's going to ruin the game and it needs to get sorted as soon as possible.
0: Yeah, I... Couldn't agree more what you just said. I mean, I'm all for the safety element and making it safer for players. And we've seen obviously the last few years more offensive minded games. And also that's made games really exciting for fans. But if you're a player, as you said, if you're a defensive lineman, it's a bit like the handball rule in football in our version of football. Like no one knows yeah. what rules are these days. And I think <laughs> it's, it's just I, I I think yeah, I'm all for being with a two but that one, the two we see this weekend are being quite frankly disgraceful. And I think that you know, it, it's just, I mean, I don't know what else I can say, really. It's, it's just, I mean, this is what, yeah, players know. This is why you, they, they know what they're doing. When they, when they silence play for the NFL, they know what they're signing up for. They know exactly. they're going to get hit. They know the risks and they know all that. So I, I don't know what more the NFL can do apart from just change the rules completely on that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I couldn't agree more. It's so say, like, people go after the quarterbacks. That's where, Like defensive like linemen, edge rushers, day tackles, that's where they get their kicks. Like quarterbacks, receivers, running backs get their kicks from scoring touchdowns. Day linemen get theirs off of tackling the quarterback. And now they don't even know what the rules are anymore. Like they're gonna end up being scared to do so. They're scared to do that job, and it's it's ridiculous. It's embarrassing.
0: Yeah, I saw a great um video. I think I can't think. I think I want to say was a CBS or someone that put a video on Twitter of a hit that Tom Brady took, I think it was in 2001, 2002, very early on in his career, so the early 2000s, and he took a, a hit, which I don't think there was even a flag pulled on the play. And it was a job. It was on par with that tackle that everyone knows Sean Taylor for in, in the Pro Bowl. <laughs> that sort of level, his helmet fell off and everything, and not even a foul. And, um, and then now you're seeing what the callbacks get these days. You can see why all these records are getting broken every year because they're so much more callback friendly the, the game and I think it's great for fans but if you're neutral of the game if you're a fan of the team and that's happening to your team I think it's just barmy.
1: Yeah, it's just going to give unnecessary penalties and I do understand that we do need to protect players like you don't want to see people getting hurt like when you say what's just happened to, lake, to our tongue of Ayala. You don't want to say that happen in the sports. Like, yeah, quarterbacks do need protected because they are the ones that are getting targeted. Like, they're the ones that have got bloody 500-pound D-Layman chasing after them. Like, yeah, they, yeah, they, they need protected. Like, they, they will get hurt if they get caught. But th- that's got to be a level. Like, you've got to allow, like, them to get the tackle in. Like, like hit them, yeah. Hit them hard, yeah, but fairly. It, it is the same, like, in football. Like, you can put in a crunching tackle, but as long as you get the ball, that's the rules. like get your crunch and tackle in, but if you get the ball, sound. if you don't get the ball, you get a penalty, you get a red card or a yellow card or whatever it is. like there's gotta be like rules set out in place that you can't tackle the quarterback as long as it's fair. Maybe it's give a, a unnecessary roughness call, but these passing the the um rough and the passer calls, that, like I say, they're getting worse and worse since they've like brought in these like like stricter rules it is getting worse and worse than that one. That, that one, particularly on Tom Brady, I thought was one of the most embarrassing calls I've ever seen in my life.
0: Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, talk of embarrassing calls, I mean, one that struck me was obviously one thing we've seen in recent years as well. We've seen the recent trend of people going for two, the two-point conversion. Mm. And we saw the Chiefs do it. I think it was in the first half, if not maybe third quarter. But right at the end of the game, the Raiders got back it with a brilliant touchdown from... Um, from Adams, I got on camera. And um, obviously, at that point, there was, I want to say there was four minutes left. And for me, at that point, just go for the extra point. I mean, in the end, they lost by one point, which obviously, in the end, was, was costly. They went, went for on two. Obviously, if, he, if, it, if it'd come through and they'd got the two points, he looked a genius. But yeah. I'm seeing for me far too many coaches these days go for on two. And it's just, it's getting to a point now where I, I, I don't get it. I mean, Yes, they could have lost in overtime. Yes, the Chiefs could have gone and scored in regular time. But just at that point, in the third quarter, fair enough, I can understand it to a certain point. But when you've got four minutes left of a game where you're on the road and you're giving the ball back to a team who are probably gonna who did very well running the ball, I just think that just 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 take just take the points. And I don't, I think that um, I think it's, yeah, I think for me it's a bit like Rough in the past has gone too far now. Where now I think that. There's too many coaches going for it on fourth down. And I think in the end, that's that's cost the Raiders a win.
1: Yeah, I think it's just going for glory a bit more than anything. Like I think it makes it a bit more exciting for the fan. I think like going for an extra touchdown. If you're watching as a neutral, then yeah, it's it it is a bit more exciting than just going for a standard kick, which you know you're pretty much guaranteed to get um, as a neutral you want to see touchdowns you don't really want to see like field goals and like extra points and stuff do you so i understand from that point of view and when, when it's your team like if you're the coach on the sideline you want to be a little bit greedy you want to like try and go like an extra point ahead but so it was like it, that's where like mac rule's gone wrong so many times like it's just game management make the right call like don't go for glory like too early in the game like yeah if it's like two minutes left and you're down by a few points, Then, and you need to, like, yeah, if you need to go for two points, then fair enough. But, like, we got criticism for not going for it, like, because we just don't trust our offense against the 49ers quite late on in the game. We should have gone for two, but instead we just thought, ah, we'll, we'll just get the point. We're not going to come back into the game where offense isn't good enough, so bollocks just go for the point. Um But, yeah, like, I don't know. I, I don't really know what, what my opinion on this is. Like, Like, if it's your team, and you don't need to go for it, and you do, and you don't get it, and you lose the game, then you've looked an idiot. You, you've embarrassed yourself. So, yeah, just go for the safe point. Like It's only, like, one extra point. It's not as if it's, like, an extra six. Right? Just go for the safe one. Like, get the guaranteed point, as it should be. I know they're not always guaranteed, but it should be a guaranteed point with your kicker.
0: Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, I... Yeah, I mean, I know there's there's obviously arguments people make that why they go for two, but I think in that situation, even people around me was was thinking the same thing, just take the points and just go to overtime and just hope for the best, because I'd say it's less risky to take it to overtime than it is to try and go for two points there, for me Mm -hmm. personally. So I I think that McDaniels, obviously, he's a great offensive mind. He did did well with the Patriots, but so far in his second spell as head coach, I'm not impressed at all really I think he's shown some poor decision making in the last in the, in the first five weeks of his job here so I yeah I, I think that I think he's got a learning curve but I think they always say you always got two chances of that if I head coach I, I think he's got a big a big chance and a big opportunity to try and get try and get himself back and do well I think otherwise Um, I'm in no doubt that he'll join the Patriots again as a a defensive coordinator. If it doesn't work out this year or next year, I think he's got to try and do it soon. Otherwise, he may never get a chance again as a head coach. But that has been the end of the podcast for this week. So um, thank you, Keg, for coming on, first of all.
1: Oh, you're more than welcome, mate. Always a pleasure anytime.
0: No problem at all. And obviously, we'll put your. Twitter account on our post when you do get this podcast out and people, you can check out his work. If you're Newcastle fans you can obviously check out his work for the Magpie Magpie channel and um, and yeah, do check his work out
1: Brilliant, thank you very much we
0: No problem the and we'll see you guys for a week 6 preview